The challenge we have is that we could fit into culture so easily and become just average and normal. And the problem is this, that when you're average and normal, usually it means that you are missing and you're lacking something um, that's really important, like a skill or a quality um, that, that you just haven't gained or learned or you're just not practicing and using. You know, on the sports field, somebody's average, they're just not really functioning and, and hitting at their best. They're just kind of maintaining and just doing just the status quo. One of the things we want as a church, we don't ever want to settle for the status quo in life. 2015 can be just like 2014. If it was a great year, that's not a bad thing. But if it wasn't that great of a year, why repeat it when we can change it and we can say, let's, let's move beyond this? We don't want to be average. Are you average? God doesn't want you to be average. He wants you to be able to live a life that is fulfilling, a life that you can be proud of, a life that you can just live with excitement and joy. We say kind of like this. One of the things that was a church, we don't want to suck. We don't want to be a church that takes from the community. We want to be a church that gives to the community. Typically, people that are average, the reason they're average is because they want things for themselves. They're all about me and all about what I can get. And God is inviting us to say, no, I want you to be generous, be life-giving. Don't take and don't be always trying to take, but, but be life-giving. Um, find out those important things and put them first. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We get this idea of through us in the, in, in the book of Genesis. God encounters this man, Abram, and he changes his name in Abraham, which means father of many. And he says, Abram, would, would you do me a favor? Would you follow me? I want you to take you to this foreign place. I'm going to show you. I'm going to lead you. Would you follow my lead? And this is found in Genesis 2. And he says, I will bless you, and, I will, and you will be a blessing, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. See, God wants to bless people, but it's not just so we can be fulfilled for a selfish reason of just saying, hey, I have more, and I'm, I'm happy, and I'm okay with this. But rather, he's going to give so we can, it can go through us to others. And he's inviting us to do this. And the way we do this, we kind of started talking about this. There's, there's a couple different ways, creating margin in our lives, where we realize that it's not just about me, but I'm going to, I'm going to learn to set time aside, balance my budget, my time well, budget my finances well, budget my relationships well, just be able to create margin in there so that that we're healthy and we're not always stressed and we're not always cramming and we're not always in a rush, but we're able to do that. We talked about the second week was about action of saying, hey, once you kind of begin to, to make a plan, follow through with that plan. Because this is what typically happens. It's a new year. We put these resolutions. Hey, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to lose this much weight. I'm going to eat this kind of food. And we start off good for a few days, right? And then something kind of, it falls off and we kind of lose it. Well, action is important. Once you make a plan, then you work your plan. You keep working your plan. And usually when you have a plan and you work it, it works. Um, it, it, what happens is we usually don't follow through. And so we, action is important. And then last week we talked about fasting. And this is why it's so important for fasting. See, Abram, he understood that it wasn't all about him. He invited God and said, oh, God invited him into this journey. And he responded by saying, all right, I'm going to follow your lead. And he began to follow. He stepped out of his country into the unknown. One of the reasons that he was able to do that is because he denied probably himself something he really wanted, comfort. He denied himself something that was security of being in a, in, a, in, a, in a place that he was safe with family and friends and being secure. And he stepped out into the unknown. Well, fasting is a way that we can deny our, our body something that it really wants, like sugar um, or caffeine, whatever it is. And we're able to say, you know what? You're not in control. Because what happens is we have these appetites, okay, that grit gets, they can get stronger and stronger and stronger until they actually control us. We don't control them. And we're at, the, we're at the, the win with them. And so we talked about there's these three parts of us, all right? So margin, action, action and fasting is, a, is the three weeks we talked about. And we, we said, uh, go to the next slide for me. We said that last week we talked about prayer. 
Um, today we're going to talk about prayer. Last week we talked about, about fasting. We said that prayer connects us to God, and fasting disconnects us from the things that are of the world, the things that aren't that you know that that um, that, that that hold us tied to here and now into into the physical. All right. So there's, there's these two there's different parts of us. We have our body, which is the physical, the, the, the outward part of us. We have our soul, which is the emotional part of us, and that connects us to people. And then we have our spirit, and that's what connects us to God. And so what fasting does is it quiets our emotions down, and it quiets our body and our flesh down, so that our spirit can be a little more sensitive to what God is saying, and we begin to open it up. Fasting is one of the least known uh, disciplines uh, in the Christian faith. But it's huge when it comes to helping us understand that God has good things for our lives and helping us hear him on those things and what he wants. So he invites us. So for the next 20 days, I would encourage you, man, set aside a, a day, two days. If you've never done it before, you can go on our webpage and there's some resources there to kind of talk about different kinds of fasts. Uh, there's a lot of different ones. The idea is, is not to punish yourself, but to, to deny yourself an appetite, something so that you can say yes more to God. And that's really the heart behind it. And so um, just want to encourage you that. Today we want to talk about the other part of that, which is fasting. Um, and, and the reason fasting is, is uh, prayer, prayer connects us to God. And so we have these different, these two elements. When you fast, if you don't pray, we can just call that starvation, all right, or punishment. Because it really is, you're, just, you're, just, you're not eating for no reason if you're not praying and asking God. That's why we talked about last week of, of setting an agenda, of saying this is what I want to accomplish. And when we begin to say, There's, I'm going to make an objective of what I want to, I want ha- to happen. And then we expect these results because they happen. Um, I can tell you, um, before we came to Santa Fe to plant the church, I spent a lot of time in, in prayer and fasting because I sensed that God was asking us, like Abraham, to step out of something that was really com- comfortable into something that was unknown and even a little scary. And in that time, I was wanting to make sure it was really God and, and where he wanted to lead us. And so I spent, I spent a, a good year of just season, seasons of fasting and praying and saying, God, I want you to lead us. And it was amazing how God began to open doors that we never thought would, would open up for us. And, and God began just to direct us, I'm guessing like Abraham. And he says, you know what, I'm, gonna, I wanna, I'm looking for people to bless others through. Would you be that person? And as we fast, what happens is we're not getting God to do something for us, but rather we're sensitive to what God is speaking to us. And he begins to work on our behalf, like we talked about last week. And so as, as we fast, you also have sometimes prayer. One of the reasons I like fasting is because when you don't eat something for a while, your stomach starts to growl. And for me, that's a great reminder of what I'm doing. I'm hungry. Well, in Matthew, Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for his kingdom, for his righteousness. Okay, so when we when we get hungry, it reminds me, oh, yeah, I'm denying myself something, but for a reason. And then as I get hungry, I say, God, I'm hungry for you. I'm hungry for your will. I'm hungry for your way. So if you're here today, maybe um, you've never been to church or you're new to church. I'm going to be talking about prayer. And really, prayer is, is one of the foundational principles and habits and disciplines that you need to implement in your life as a Christian. If you're going to follow Christ, it's huge. It is so important because it connects us to God. See, my, my, my wife and I, um, we have a great relationship when I communicate well. And when I ignore her and I don't pay attention to her, how do you think our relationship is? Not so well, right? She's like, why are you ignoring me? Why don't you talk to me for three days? I'm like, well, just, you know, I've got things going on. It's not a very healthy relationship. I don't do that. Just, just you know, it's, I, I learned early on you don't ignore somebody, you know, your wife or extended period of time. Um, it's not healthy. So it's the same thing. When, when, when my wife and I communicate, 
Um, the more we communicate and, and the better we communicate, the healthier our relationship is. Well, if you're trying to follow uh, God who created everything and he created us for a purpose and a reason, don't you think it'd be really important for us to say, God, all right, what do you, where are you leading me? What are you wanting to accomplish through me and in me? Because I want to follow your lead. I want to hear what you're doing, what you're wanting to accomplish and do. And what's amazing is when we do that, he responds. So it's not like we're just talking to the air or nothing happens. But we begin, to hear, we begin to see results. We begin to even sometimes hear results. He'll whisper within, our, with, within us. I can't really explain it. Sometimes it's maybe like an audible voice, but a lot of times it's just a still whisper or just something that you feel on the inside. He's saying, no, you should, you should pay attention to that. Watch out for that. Or, or the Holy Spirit will convict us when we pray, and he'll say, you really missed it there. Those are great. That's God's way to respond back to us. And so prayer is connecting us to God. This is what we said. Um, so we said set your objectives. Uh, prayer connects us. Next one. My monitor, it broke, so we'll go to keep going behind me. Um, decide what kind of fast expect your last philosophy. Next one. In Matthew 17, there's a story of uh, Jesus sent his disciples out. And see, we, we talk about the, the three parts. We're body, we're soul, and we're spirit. Okay, so God made us unique. Well, there's this, this part of this world that's spiritual, all right? It's the unseen. You can't see my spirit, okay? We can't see what's happening in the spiritual realm, but it's, it's taking place. And it says, Jesus sent out his disciples and gave them authority to go and pray for sick people. And sickness would just would go away and they'd be healed. And he gave them authority to go pray for people that were possessed by demons. And the demons would flee and leave. Well, they got to this one man and they prayed for his son and nothing happened. And they prayed again and nothing happened. So they brought, the man brought his son to Jesus. And this is what he says in Matthew 17, 14. He says, when they came to the, to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him and said, Lord, have mercy on my son. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. Jesus says this, you unbelieving and perverse generation. So he makes two important categorizations there of why something's not taking place. Unbelieving, that is, that is lacking faith or a faithless generation, we can say. Somebody that doesn't believe in, maybe in God, one way we can say it is like this, you're, you're disconnected from God. You don't understand what he's trying to do, so you miss it. When you're unbelieving or you don't have faith, you're actually saying, I'm going to live like God doesn't exist. You know, there's such, there can be such thing as a Christian atheist. You know, you, you say I'm a Christian, but you live like God doesn't exist. That's kind of what he's saying. He says, don't be faithless. Don't be unbelieving. Rather, be connected to me so you can, you can know what I'm asking you to do. And then he says perverse. The idea is that we take something and we change it and we distort it. We take something that's good a lot of times and we make it into something that's not good. All right? And so he's saying one way we could say that is we're, we're the first part is we're, we're uh, not connected to God, so we're unbelieving or, ha- or faithless. And the second part is we're so connected to the world, we've twisted things for our own pleasure and our own thing that we've kind of perverted what God intended. Okay? And so he's saying you're, you're not connected enough, and you're too connected to this part. So when we're too connected to the world, that's usually our flesh. We're, we're addicted to things that aren't good for us or healthy for us. Our soul is, is, is um, in control because we're, our emotions lead us. All right? That means we're too connected to, to our physical part of us. The spirit part, when he says when you connect to God, that's when you, you begin to do it. See, it says that Abraham, because he had faith, he trusted God and he stepped out. And the Bible says he was called God's friend. Because he had faith and he took a step towards God, what God was asking him to do. And he went on this journey with him. And God used Abraham really 
to, to, to uh, raise up a nation who would bless the entire world. And out of that nation, Jesus came, God's own son, to die on the, die on the cross for us. And so he, keeps, he says this, so you're unbelieving, how long shall I uh, put up with you? He says, bring the boy here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of the boy, and he was healed at that moment. This might be a little weird if you're not church, you're like, well, demons, what is this about? Well, see, we, we have an enemy who hates, he hates people. Because God created people in his image, all right? It says that he created Adam and Eve in the image of God. He created them. So, so the enemy hates the fact that we are a representation of God. If, if you are a human being, you are, you are an image bearer of God. And he hates that. More so, he doesn't want you to follow God, and so he tries to trick and, and pervert and distort and mess up. And so he comes in, um, because there's a spiritual part of it, we call it spiritual warfare. You can't see it, but it's taking place. It's always happening around us. And the enemy uses warfare all around us to try to get us upset, try to shake us in, in believing about um, uh, that God has good plans for our lives, try, try to get us to doubt uh, our existence, to even maybe commit suicide. There's all kinds of pressure that the enemy will bring, try to get us addicted to things. And there's a spiritual element that, that the enemy brings to try to mess everything up. And so we're wanting to seek, seek God. And so he, he casts out the demon because he has authority. And they told the disciples, came to him in private and says, why couldn't we drive it out? And he replied, because you have so little faith. Remember, you're not connected. There's a, a, a disconnect there that you're missing. He says, I tell you the truth. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will be moved. Nothing will be impossible for you, but this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. So remember, he says, you're too disconnected from God, you're too connected to the world or to your flesh. And he gives us the solution. Prayer, connecting to God, fasting, disconnecting from our flesh or from things that our appetites that hold, that hold strong to us. And so he's saying this is really important. So if, if we're going to be people that God works through, we have to learn to connect to God. We have to learn at times to disconnect, but we really have to learn to connect with God. We have to learn to connect with God. It says like this, um, so prayer connects us to God. Fasting disconnects us from God. Next one. Second Chronicles in the Old Testament, um, God answers his people and he says, he says this, this, this phrase that's really um, just powerful. He's saying when you're, when you're going through something really difficult, when you find yourself and you can't, you're in front of this mountain and it won't move, you're, you're, somebody's sick, something is, is really bad is taking place, and you're in despair, he says this, that if, if my people will humble themselves... And pray. Humble, humbling ourselves, as a for, fasting is a form of humbling ourselves. All right? When he says you humble yourself, you're saying, all right, I'm not going to make it all about me. Adam, um, Abraham humbled himself enough to, to trust God to say, all right, I'm not in charge here. I'm going to follow your lead. And he began to follow him. And he says, and you pray and you seek my face and turn from your wicked ways. Then, so when we do those things, something's going to happen. We'll hear from heaven and we'll, the sins will be forgiven and our land will be healed. So when we seek God, when we pray, when we fast, when we humble ourselves, heaven responds by giving the answers that, that we're looking for. And there's healing that takes place. So it's important that we learn how to be the kind of people that say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just humble myself a little bit here. See, God says he draws close to those who are willing to humble themselves. Humility. That's the opposite of a lot of times what we want to do. A lot of times it's like, no way, I'm in charge here, I'm the boss, I'm, I'm the most important. And pride in our life usually wants us to fight for our right, fight for 
us be number one. And God is saying, no, no, if you would just let me work in your life, sometimes you have to take a step back and humble yourselves. So what I've learned in my marriage with sincerity for the last 12 years is that if, if we're going to be healthy, there's times that I have to just step back and say, all right, why am I really wanting this so bad? You know, we begin, we get into misunderstandings or arguments or fights and, and emotions start rolling up, you know. You have to stop and say, why am I so worked up about this? A lot of times it's because we are, we're selfish people and we want our own way and we want to control everything. And God is saying, sometimes you have to humble yourself and just say, you know what, take a step back and ask, what's really motivating this? Why is this so important? And we begin to pause and, and, and listen, we, we will begin to find answers. We'll begin to find answers. So Jesus, his disciples, um, he taught his disciples a prayer. What's great about this prayer is another, in, in another gospel, in Luke's gospel, um, that he wrote, his, his kind of um, biography of, of Jesus, Luke said that um, when Jesus went alone to pray, okay, so Jesus models for us. As Christians, the reason we do things is because Christ did them. All right? So if Christ believed in it, we believe in it. If Christ did it, he invites us to do it. Well, it says that he got alone, got alone with God and prayed. And obviously, I guess the disciples were there watching him. It was a pattern in his life. He would, he would, he would work and he would serve and he would do ministry. And he would get alone and he would pray. Well, after this one instance where he's, he's alone praying, he comes and his disciples say, Hey, Jesus, would you teach us how to pray? And here's what's funny about that statement. The disciples were born in Israel, okay? So they were Jewish. The Jewish people, when they were born, there was a prayer whispered into their ear called the Shema, all right, that they memorized. It was the first prayer you'd memorize as a Jewish person, the Shema. It was a pretty long prayer, and they would memorize a lot of the scriptures that had prayers in them, all right? So prayer was a big part of their life. And so some of these guys have been praying for years and years, and they come to Jesus and say, all right, Jesus, teach us how to pray. Well, you'd think like, well, don't they go to church all the time? Don't they already know this stuff? Something was different in Jesus. They saw something different in Jesus that they had seen in other leaders, other people. And they said, wow, you have something different here. Would you show us what that is? Because, I mean, I'm praying these prayers, but what you're doing is something totally different. What they saw was a personal relationship that Jesus had with his father. He was talking to him. And he was, he was hearing things. He was communicating. He had, he had a connection with God that they hadn't seen before. And so what did they say? Hey, we want this. Would you teach us how to pray? You, many of you guys have heard this prayer. The Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Right? And he, he leads them in this prayer. When, when he teaches them this prayer, he says, don't, don't become where you just say things repetitive over and over and over. But rather, do it out of a heart that's sincere. Do it out of a heart that is, um, that is genuine in seeking God. And so he teaches them prayer, not necessarily to repeat it. That's not a bad thing. It is if you just pray it without any meaning or any heart behind it. But, but he's, he's given us a model, a guide for us to follow. And, and he kind of sets it up. He says it's about relationship, our Father. He's saying it's, it's, about, it's not just about this, this guy in the sky, this deity that's far away, but rather he's a, he's a loving Father that, that wants relationship with us. I'm going to read from the message uh, translation. Uh, a pastor paraphrased the entire Bible into kind of a common English language. It's just amazing how he did it. I'm going to read how he um, paraphrased this, this teaching of Jesus, all right? So in Matthew 6, 5 through 18, it says this. When you come before God, don't turn that into a theatrical production either. So when you come and you pray, don't turn it into a theatrical production. 
All these people making a regular show out of their prayers, hoping for stardom. Do you think God sits in a box seat? Here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can, as you can manage. The focus will shift from you to God and you will begin to sense his grace. The world is full of so-called prayer warriors who are prayer ignorant. They're full of formulas and programs and advice, peddling techniques for getting what you want from God. Don't fall for that nonsense. This is your father you are dealing with, and he knows better than you what you need. With a God like this loving you, you can pray very simply. And I love how he paraphrases the Lord's Prayer. This is what he says. He says like this, Our Father in heaven, reveal who you are. Set the world right. Do what's best. As above, so below. Keep us alive with three square meals. Keep us forgiven with you and forgiving others. Keep us safe from ourselves and the, and, and the devil. You're in charge. You can do anything you want. You're ablaze in beauty. Yes, yes, yes. So he's saying, he's, he's simplifying it, saying it's a simple, it's a relationship. It's you inviting God to lead you. It's you declaring that he is Lord and you're going to follow him. He goes on to say in prayer, there's a connection between what God does and what you do. You can't get forgiveness from God, for instance, without also forgiving others. If you refuse to do your part, you cut yourself off from God's part. So he's saying prayer is about connection, but there has to be action behind it. It can't just be something we just say. We can't put on a show. We can't do it just on Sundays for people to see, but rather for God who's watching. When you practice some appetite-denying disciplines, this is fasting he's talking about, to better concentrate on God, don't make a production out of it. It might turn you into a small-time celebrity, but it won't make you a saint. If you go into training inwardly, act normally outwardly. Shampoo and comb your hair, brush your teeth, wash your face. God doesn't require attention-getting devices. He won't overlook what you are doing. He'll reward you well. So he's saying, man, it's about, this is about relationship. So imagine my wife. I come home and I bring her flowers. And she's like, oh, you thought of me? This is so nice. And I'm like, no, no. Um, Robert bought his wife flowers and I just thought it was the right thing to do. And, you know, I, I don't want you to feel bad. That's the only reason I bought them. Plus, they were on sale. Not a big deal. I think I got them for like a dollar. I know they're dying a little bit. She'd be like, great. Hey, but let's take a selfie of me giving you flowers so everybody can see. Right? How would my wife really appreciate that? She'd be like, I don't want your flowers. You're just putting on a show for everybody else. Like, hey, Instagram, give my wife flowers, guys. You're putting on a show. This is what God is saying about relationship with him. He's saying, why are you doing this? Is it out of a desire and, and um, out of relationship with me? Or is it so others think that you're good? Others think that you're great. Others think that you have it all together. He's, he's asking, he's saying, man, don't put on a show. In fact, when you're doing some of these things, don't even let people, don't even bring people in on it. So we said that when we talk about if we're going to be the kind of people God wants us to, we have to learn to be generous with our time, with our resources, our finances, right? That's, he says when you give, when you pray, and when you fast. Three things that he says when. As, as Christ followers, he's saying when you give, when you're generous, with your time, when your talents, your resources, when you, when you pray, when you take time to connect with God, and when you fast. When you disconnect from things that control and, and keep us tied to our, to, so, so much to our appetites. He's saying, when you do these things, 
Man, do them the right way. There's a right way to do these things. When you give flowers to your wife, do it the right way. Right? I need to go buy my wife flowers this week. So, uh, see, I'm putting a show now. I'm going to buy my wife flowers. So, maybe I'll buy next week, so then it's not a show. Right? So, <laughs> um, we don't put on this show. So, so, prayer is connecting us with God. And he's saying, make it simple. Make it simple. Prayer. Go to that next one for me. Let's talk a little about prayer. So on our webpage, we want to put up some resources. That If you don't know much about fasting, there's some ways to learn more about it. You can listen last week, but there's some more things there. If you click on the prayer resource, go to the next page for me. When you click on prayer, it gives you this prayer guide. You can, you can download it to your phone so you can have it there, or you can go online and you can do it. And what it is, it gives you the Lord's Prayer. Go to the next one for me. It'll make the Lord's Prayer a little bigger. It kind of just gives you maybe a path you can walk through. All right, so it gives you down here some names of God. Uh, go back, back to that last one. Sorry. Some names of God and what they mean. See, the people of Israel, God's people, they gave them all these different kinds of names that, 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 that were significant to who God was. He's God, God our, our provider, God our protection, God our healer. And there's these names of God that we can say, you're the, still this kind of God that heals and protects and provides and takes care of us. And in this Lord's Prayer, you can see how he kind of, it's just a guy that, that, that gives you the, our Father in heaven. But it turns it into saying, you know what, today I want to walk this path of saying, all right, I'm going to invite you, God. You be my Father. I'm going to, I want you to lead me. I want you to guide me. Man, I invite you. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. And it's just a path to follow. It gives you some, some, some ways to, if, if you're like me, I need things like this to stay focused. If I don't have this and I try to pray for an extended amount of time, I start thinking about lunch and I start thinking about dinner, and I start thinking about breakfast the next day, right? And I just start thinking about things that, that my mind just starts to drift. But if I have a, a path that I can walk through, this is kind of just a guide, it kind of keeps me focused and saying, all right, I'm going to pray now for, you know, up here, for, for your kingdom come, your will be done in our nation, in our state, in our country, in our city, in our church. Man, pray for, for me, for pastors, for people in, within our community, your family. You say, God, give us the daily bread. We, we, need, we have needs. He knows we have needs. He wants to provide. He's not, he's not against us asking for those things if we do it correctly. There's a couple other ones in that guide. The next one, the Old Testament has this, um, this, this dwelling place that was called a tab- the, it was a tabernacle that would move. They would kind of, in a tent, they would pack it up and they'd move as God led them and they would open it up and they would set it up. And it's kind of just this idea that, that as, as the people came into this, this place of meeting, there was these, these steps that they had to take as they kind of became before God. And so this kind of takes you through those steps as you pray, and it kind of just gives you some tools to be able to say, all right, God, I, I want to put you first. I'm going, to, I'm going to walk through this. You know, thank you for salvation and for healing. And you can kind of use that. Next one, armor of God. Paul, Paul um, he, he, he taught us this, um, this idea that we're in this spiritual battle, all right, that the enemy hates you, he hates your family, he hates, he hates people, and he wants to destroy in fact, the enemy is here to steal, kill, and destroy. That's his objectives. He wants to bring destruction. That's what he tried to do with Adam and Eve. He tried to destroy the relationship with God. And so, so, so Paul is saying, we're in this battle. So in this battle, there's, there's this, this equipment that you have that God has given you. And he says, man, put on these things. Put on these different parts, the helmet of salvation. And it's a way that you can walk through this prayer of saying, God, man, I want, I want salvation. I want to wear your salvation today. I want my mind to be protected. I want to know that you have something for me. Just a guide that you can use. If you have more questions on these, I'd love to talk to you about them. 
It's, it's a, kind of simple, but if you're new to this, you might have some questions. Man, I, get a hold of me. I'd love to kind of talk more about those with you. But he's inviting us. So this is what we said last week. What you feed gets stronger and what you starve gets weaker. In 2015, what parts of your life need to get weaker? Are there addictions that you know aren't healthy in your life? Well, the way you get those weaker is by you, you, you deny yourself those things. Is it hard and difficult? Yes. Is it worth it? Yes. Imagine all the things if you begin to say, you know what, these things are unhealthy. I need to, I need to slow down those. I need to stop those completely. And we begin, to, we begin to invite God to lead us in that and help us. They'll be weaker. And then as, as we, one of the reasons it's so important that we, we gather on Sunday mornings, we start the week off by saying, God, we put you first. Man, we, we want to we uh, be challenged. See, this is, this is what we want to accomplish in the Grove. That every time you come on a Sunday morning, that you'll leave with just one step, take, one step to take. All right? I believe God is always asking us to take one step. You know, we, we sometimes look at this big old thing and think, man, I can't become what God has asked me. It's too big. It's this huge mountain or it's this long journey. Well, no, he's not asking you just to get to the end right away. He's saying just take one step. See, Abraham on his journey, the first step was just trusting and saying, all right, I'm going to trust you, God. They start packing up their stuff. That was the first step. Just start packing. And he said, all right, now I'm going to, I want you to walk this way. I'm going to lead you this way. And just take a step. Imagine 52 weeks. That's how many Sundays we have in 2015. Today's the first Sunday. If you took one step every week in the direction God's asking you to, imagine next December where you'd be. Well, you think, well, it's only 52 steps. Yeah, 52 steps towards God is huge. See, in my relationship with, with sincerity over the last 12 years, we kind of started on two different spectrums of life. Our philosophies, our, what we think, what, what's important. And every time we have a conversation or discussion, one of us is taking a step towards the other one. Sometimes one of us is really hesitant. We take a step back, right? But little by little, as our relationship grows stronger, we move closer and closer. Can I tell you that God has taken the most steps towards us? You might think that he's disconnected and far away, but he took a step. We just celebrated it with Christmas. They named his son Emmanuel, God with us, God in human flesh and form. He took a step out of his kingdom into earth and humanity so he could lead us. And then he invites us to say, all right, now would you follow my lead? Would you take a step? I want to lead you. In 2015, if we all would say yes to that step, that each time he asks us, hey, would you take this step? Would you say no to this thing that has been controlling your life? Take the step. Would you have that conversation with that person that you've been putting off because it's not healthy? Take that step. Would you open your Bible and just, man, read, read a, just a portion of, of some of his teachings? Take that step. Would you take some time and just say a prayer? See, we think prayer has to be for hours. It doesn't. What if you just dedicated the first four or three minutes of your day and just saying, God, I invite you to lead me today? How would your day be different? I guarantee it'll be different because you're inviting him to lead you, which means you're more aware of what he's going to be leading you to, as opposed to not starting your day with inviting him to lead and you're not aware of what he's doing in the day. And then when you find yourself in the middle of something difficult, you pause and say, God, I need help here. And he responds. So what is the step that God is asking you to take? Today, I, I, I believe it's prayer. One of the things he wants us to do is he wants us to put him first. So Jesus says, when you seek his kingdom first, you put him first, he's going to do something awesome. He shows up and he takes care of all the other things. 
We can let all the worries come in and pile up and be consumed with that. Or we can say, God, I want to, I want to put you first and then you help me with all this other stuff. And he'll begin to sort it all out for us. He works on our behalf. So here's our challenge. This is, this is a step I want you to take. Connect with God through prayer each day this week. Connect with God. If you haven't prayed today, before we leave, would you just would you pray and say, God, man, I need your help 2015. Would you lead me? It can be that simple. And tomorrow when you wake up, say, today, God, I need your help. Help me to wipe wise choices. When I was 14 years old, I read a story about this, this man in the Bible named Solomon. And God gave him two options. Essentially, he said, fame, fortune, and everything you ever want, or wisdom. So I'll give you it. Whatever you want, you choose. And Solomon says, well, and that sounds really nice, but I'm going to choose wisdom. I need, I need help leading your people. And because he prayed for wisdom, God multiplied all this other stuff in his life. And as a young 14-year-old, I said this prayer that I meant with all my heart. I said, God, I know you're wanting me to do something in my life. So I just, I don't, if I get the fame, fortune, whatever, that is not important. I want wisdom like Solomon to be able to lead people, to be able to help people. And at 14 years old, I believe God answered my prayer and gave me insight into things as as a young um, student and teenager because I invited him to do it with an honest, sincere prayer. And it wasn't out of the motives like, hey, if Solomon prayed this, now he's going to get all this too. It was really an honest prayer saying, God, I really just want to understand what you're doing here. And he responded and gave, gave wisdom. And my life changed and I began to take steps towards God. But what I find is my flesh is still strong. I still have appetites and desires that pull me away from those, that, that, the direction God has me. So it's, it's a constant um, um, cycle or constant awareness that I have to say, God, I need your help again. A few times a year. This is 21 days of fasting. It's going to say, God, I'm going to put you first. I'm going to, I'm going to seek you for help. I'm going to take those steps towards you. And because I prayed a prayer when I was young, God answered it. And I really believe he's used my life in a powerful way. Even as a young age, he's been using my life because I sincerely came to him and said, I need your help, God. So the Bible says, if you lack wisdom, ask God who freely gives it. Isn't that cool? He gives us wisdom freely. He gives us grace. Everything that we could ever need and, and, and want. So this week, man, take the step. Take a challenge every single day. What you have to do is probably get your phone out Okay, if, if you don't maybe have this habit and routine and set a reminder, hey, do this. You know, I heard about uh, one guy, his, his, his um, routine is when he goes to work, he goes about 10 minutes early. And before he gets out of his car, he just sits in his car. There's no distractions. It's quiet. And he uses that time just to pray. He said, God, I want to give you a little bit of time here. He prays for his coworkers, for his family. Some people I heard that they get in their car before they leave their driveway. That's just their routine. See, w- when we're trying to start something new, it takes 21 days just to start a new habit. And then it takes another 21 days to make that part of your life. So you don't give up after 21 days. You, you keep it going. So what routines do you already do that you can say, God, I'm going to invite you in the middle of this? My kids, they make me read the Bible every single night before they go to bed. Most nights. But it's part of our routine. I, I tuck them in bed and kiss them every night. So it's a, it's a great time to just open the Proverbs and read a Proverbs, uh, some Proverbs to them. Or Psalms or whatever. And if I miss it, they get really upset. Like, Dad, you're not going to read the Bible? And I, sometimes I can't do it, you know, for whatever reason. But most of the nights we do because it's part of our routine. It's easy. So in your week, if you were to pray every single day, where would you insert that into your routine? 
before you leave the house, before you go into work. One pastor I heard, he says, if he doesn't do it, he won't pray. He says, as soon as he rolls out of bed, he rolls to his knees. And right then, before he does anything else, he says, God, I put you first. And spends just a few minutes just saying, God, I invite you in my day. He prays for his family. He says, because he found if he doesn't do it first thing, he never does it the rest of the day. He's a pastor. We get busy. What is it? I'm not trying to put pressure saying you have to be perfect. I'm just saying, what is that one moment? What is that one thing you can do to make space for God to connect with him? What would this, whole, this next week look like if every day you took time to connect with God in that way? What would 2015 look like if you took that step every time he asked you to take a step? How do you climb up Mount Everest? One step at a time. One step in front of the other. Do me a favor. Would you close your eyes and bow your heads today? If you're here today and, and you've heard me talking and, and I'm talking about Jesus, I'm talking about um, relationship with God, and maybe that's foreign to you, maybe that's new to you, man, I would love to introduce you and, and invite you to start a relationship with God. The same way the disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray and have a relationship, and I want to lead you in a prayer that would say, I need your help, God. I want relationship with you. So we believe it starts with, with, with our heart. First turning to God, saying, God, I need your help. That, that's called humility. Saying we can't do it on our own. God doesn't expect us to do it on our own. He wants us to help. He wants to help us. It's called grace. It's a free gift that he gives us to give us a clean start, a fresh start, a new start. Maybe you're on a path that's far, going far away from God. Well, today God's inviting you and says, no, would you take a step towards me? Take a step away from where you're going, your direction and go my direction. If you're here today and you would want to have that kind of relationship and you would want to say that prayer with me, would you just do me a favor and raise your hand? I'm not going to have you come up. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to do anything. Just, I'm just going to lead you to prayer. Awesome. Awesome. It's a great way to start the year saying, God, I'm going to put you first. I need your help. I need your help. And the great thing is that when we pray, God responds. Awesome. Is there anybody else? There's a lot of hands that went up. Awesome. God sees, sees your hands. He sees your heart. He knows where you're at, and he's inviting you just to follow his lead. And can I tell you, 2015 can be the greatest year of your life if you will just take steps as he asks you to take those steps. If you raise your hand, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. It's a simple prayer that just invites God to say, you're just saying, God, forgive me, help me, lead me. You're saying, I believe you died on that cross for me, but I believe you're alive today. A simple prayer that we just invite him. And the Bible says that when you confess your sins with your mouth and you believe in your heart that God, he died on that cross and rose from the grave, that you're saved, that you have a relationship, that you have freedom, that you have a new start and a new journey. So if you raise your hand, would you pray this with me? The rest of us, would you join in with us to encourage them? Say, say, Father God, I need your help. Forgive me for walking in my own way. Help me today to take the steps you ask me to. I want to follow you. I believe you died on that cross for me, for my mistakes for my sin. Forgive me. I believe that you're alive today and you want relationship with me. Would you speak to me? Would you guide me? 
Would you help me? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.